Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Panel by Panel, the podcast where we talk about comics as comics. Now, John, what does that mean? Well, Jarrett, let me tell you, a comic is, frankly, a beautiful thing because it's a work of art, right? Yes. It doesn't contain art. It is art. It's been designed to be as visually delectable as possible. You just want to eat it up. It's also a commodity, right? Yes. So it's a thing you want to consume, too. You want to eat it. Yes. You want to consume it. Yeah, I'm going to put it in my body. So we're going to be eating our comics. Yes. Um, yeah, correct. Uh, so we'll, we'll be eating it uh, spiritually, intellectually, physically, phys- physically. Uh, you know, I got my knife and fork. <laughs> Metaphysically, I've got my knife and fork right here. I've got a uh, hundred issues of Howard the Duck. Um, oh, you know that duck tastes good. It is. They're in the sink right now. Uh-huh. Um, I got the water going. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm getting them nice and soft mm-hmm. so that we can just eat them all together mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that's all bullshit. We've been lying to you the whole time. So mm-hmm. what we mean by we talk about comics as comics is you know. Let me, let, me, let me set the scene. Listener, you know, you exist in the world. You see TV uh, ads and you're on the subway and you see, you know, post- they watch posters. And... Yeah, you're, you're watching your, you know, your uh, your Minecraft playthroughs and you, you you, occasionally yeah. you get an ad uh, right. telling you of, of the latest um, offering. Cialis. Yeah. <laughs> Cialis. Honestly, they're not targeting well. Yeah, you're getting ads for Cialis. You're getting ads <laughs> for uh, Nootropics. Mm-hmm. But then you get an ad for the latest offering down at the local Nickelodeon, uh, Cineplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of the times, it's a, it's a familiar character for you. It's it's Spider Man, it's mm-hmm. Wolverine, it's it's you know, Ant Man, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody's favorite character, Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody likes to talk about them. You know, oh, what, did you see Infinity War? What happened in Infinity War? Oh, who who are they casting for Avengers Four? Who's going to be in there? Um, we're here to tell you we don't talk about that stuff here. No, we don't give a fuck no. about what happens in the movies unless it's a really good movie. They can all go die, which ironically, <laughs> I hear that's what happened. So. What, oh, oh, in that movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, spoilers. Some people die in, in oh, yeah. superhero yeah. films or events. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, at Panel by Panel, we don't really care about those things. You know, we're not going to update you on the latest casting editions for the Doom Patrol show on the CW. Um, we're not going to talk about the CW ever unless it's talk about Riverdale, which That's is right. really the only of, officially panel by panel uh, approved comic book adaptation right. out there. Um, except for the Howard of Duck movie by George Lucas, <laughs> but we don't we don't talk about any of that shit because we don't we don't care about it. It doesn't really um, tickle us where we're, we're really itchy, um, <laughs> which uh, which is talking about comics, you know, as physical books, as piece, you know, works of literature, as combinations of uh, word and picture. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is essentially. Uh, what we're most interested in, how these these two elements work together to create a story, to, to um, kind of bring you, the, the reader, into the story in a lot of different ways. Um, if, you, if you want to kind of get a, a background on our philosophy and the things we're most interested in uh, regarding comics, take a listen to our very crude first episode uh, where we talk about Scott McCloud, under, mm-hmm. uh, understanding comics, and, you know, what we mean mm-hmm. when we're talking about, you know, uh, a panel, a comic, mm-hmm. um, anything like this. Um, so that, that's our promise to you. Um, you know, we will not stray very far from those waters, um, except for things that have nothing to do at all with comic books or comic book characters. When we veer, we veer hard. Yeah, when we veer, we veer hard, and you will know about it yes. um, because you'll be like, oh, not again. It's a veer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that is that is our guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, John, there's been some Ooh. exciting additions to the panel by panel family. Recently. Oh, has there? Yes, yes. We now have a little Twitter account. Someone get pregnant? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack media? Dorsey of Twitter uh, became pregnant with our new account. Oh. Um, uh, uh, Instagram is also uh, um, 
pregnant with anticipation of of, <laughs> of uh, checking out um, the offerings of our Instagram account. Um, we realized that as a podcast that's been around for almost three years now, yeah. we maybe maybe should have done these things earlier. Right. Um, but you know, we've got other stuff to do. I you know I had to take out the well, fucking trash. Yeah. Sure, honestly, the I decision. Been doing some dishes. The decision to be a uh, Luddite podcast, it was a good one, and it fit with the times. Yeah. But now we're trying to grow up a little bit. Yeah. We're going to be a newspaper podcast, and, then, <laughs> and we're moving on to the social media world. Yeah, our, our initial attempt to distribute our podcast via, um, you know, putting up posters on walls. I think it was just word of mouth. We just yeah. would walk around having conversations, hoping people would listen. Yeah, occasionally we produce a pamphlet for a young orphan boy <laughs> to distribute for a, a, a little nickel. And we'd instruct him, you have to say extra as many times as possible. <laughs> extra, extra, panel by panel, pals, take on the Punisher. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But we're, we're beyond that. We've reached the 21st century. Um, we are online. You can find our podcast Officially now, I'm excited to announce uh, on iTunes. Um, you know, hopefully wherever else you get, you get pod, uh, podcasts, uh, Castbox, Stitcher. There's like six million of them. I don't fucking know. Mm. Um, if you uh, are having trouble um, finding us on whatever podcast app or delivery service you consume, you know, you, you can always find us on Sound, SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash/panel-pals, uh, mm-hmm. um, or just send us an email and let, let us know. Hey, motherfuckers, you. Uh, have some gaps in your distribution and we'll take care of that um our email panel by panel at gmail.com yes panel by panel at gmail.com um so those those instagram the instagram and twitter account for panel by panel uh you can find us uh, at panel by panel pod all one word um you know we're we're just starting out there but uh having a lot of fun um making making some tweets um Mm -hmm. you know getting into some trouble maybe in the Mm -hmm. future i don't know getting some flame wars got a few uh scandals coming on yeah we're we're, we're scheming up some scandals yeah, over here right. at uh, P by Pico. Yeah. Um, that, that's what you look forward to uh, in the future. Um, and eventually, hopefully, you know, you can just listen to our podcast when we carve it into the moon. That's right. And that'll be the that's the, know, final yeah, the final destination. The final destination. The moon where no one can hear you scream. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, some uh, updates there at the at, at the top of the pod. However. That's not what you came for. Um, you know, you can just subscribe to our newsletter, which does not exist. Um, if you want the information, what you're here for today is to talk about the late, great Steve Ditko. Um, now, Steve Ditko died uh, a few months ago, I believe, um, at the end of June or May. Yeah. Uh, at the very beginning of the summer is, is when he passed. Um, he, he was, uh, how old was he? Uh, you know, he died in his, his New York apartment where he'd lived for many years. Really, I think ever since he broke into comics, he, he hadn't moved very much from Manhattan. Yeah, he was um, 90. He was 90, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew he was, he, was, a, he was really up there. He had a good run. Well, yeah, yes. He lived a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there... there and it was it, perhaps socially impoverished, but... Possibly. There's lots of rumors around, swirling around about just, you know, how compensated Steve Ditko was for his work on Spider-Man yeah. and Doctor Strange, but Spider-Man especially. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's a cultural icon up there with Superman and Batman, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, all the same, Ditko is rumored to have lived uh, mostly a hard scrabble life yes you could say um but there's also rumors that he gets that he got big uh, royalty checks from from the movies at the same time Um, apparently uh one of his neighbors um a nice little old lady got his mail by accident once and uh saw some some big old checks in there um (laughs) accidentally opened it yeah accidentally opened it tried to accidentally uh, cash (laughs) it at the bank (laughs) accidentally made it out Uh made it over to her you know 
Yeah. Accidents. They happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but we, we're here to, to talk about Steve Ditko today, you know, to celebrate his legacy, celebrate his life, and also talk about the, you know, less than celebratory aspects of his career. Um, mm. as, as you might know, listeners, he had a very uh, interesting life post-Marvel. Um, he was really um, uh, interested in kind of publishing his, his own comics, mostly Mr. A, the kind of Ayn Rand yep. objectivist uh, hero mm-hmm. that he started writing in the, the late 60s and kind of just went on going until the very end i believe the, the last mr a self-published was like 2012 2014 yeah it was pretty like. recent yeah not not too long ago so you really although kept... at that point there were basically just like uh squiggly line screeds the but... scribbles of a madman <laughs> absolutely we're, yeah we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, about his art kind of um degrading into mm-hmm. outsider art kind of like henry darger style yeah. like you know um very personal no longer give really giving a fuck what they look like as long yeah. as they kind of express this primal idea right that right, he has right. inside um so that's 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 pretty much what we're going to cover here today i'm um, talking about steve ditko um you know he was he's one of the greats he's up there with those other 60s um marvel legends like jack kirby stan lee of course who, who he worked with mm-hmm. um and, and and many many others who you know made those movies that we we now denounce yeah. and hate and yeah. um you know if this podcast is successful in any way um we will end up uh destroying that's right i'm glad you said that yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's our full. That's our yeah. We're gonna attempt to destroy Mar- Marvel Studios. Not um, DC though. We love every DC movie. Yeah, we're actually uh, you know probably. You probably. I probably shouldn't say this on air, but you it's know, okay. You can say. It. Zack Snyder pays for this podcast. That's right. Yeah. I love him because he loves Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. Just like Ditko. That's does. true. That yeah, he's he's probably the strongest objectivist artist going going right now. If you God, if you want to yeah, see like a, probably an, ama- an incredible vision of. Like uh, of, of the objectivist future that we're Dude, all probably how the hurtling fuck do towards. Objectivist artists keep like steering the the, the American psyche. I guess is such fertile ground for it, right? Well, it's, well, it's because it attracts and is um, attractive to a certain type of person. You yeah. know, uh, powerful psychopath, a lot of money usually, <laughs> um, and those are the people who tend to you know right. control movie studios and, sure. and governments and right. nonprofits and businesses yeah. and you know people people at the top tend to think that they're there for a very specific reason and that reason is because they're better than everybody else. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. That, that's a philosophy that really feeds right into that yeah. that type of thing. So it's probably not too hard to get objectivist art made if you know, yeah, you know, no, no, know, know right, the right yeah. people at the top. Yeah. But anyway, before we before we get to that, talk about Mr. A, talk about you know the more politically interesting parts of Ditko's career, uh, we should start with with kind of the the basic beats. Um, John, who is this man? Who is Steve Ditko? You know, what did he do? What is he known for? Um, and why why did people celebrate and mourn him when he passed? Well, so Steve Ditko is probably the most famous comic artist you've never heard of, besides Jack Kirby. Um, he is pretty much responsible for a large part of the look and feel of the marvel universe the one that has come to be portrayed in such popular films uh such as um (laughs) spider-man um but he he i'll sort of get into the larger explanation by giving a little um brief on his life he was born in 1927 uh he grew up i believe catholic but definitely working class 
to uh, Polish. No, so, uh, so he, he grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's right. Um, very, you know, if anyone knows anything about that part of Pennsylvania, that is that is steel country, mm-hmm. um, that is coal country, that is you know the heart of American industrialization. Right. Yeah, uh, totally. For you know most of the nineteenth and His early twentieth century. His father worked at a steel plant. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so uh, he grew up. Um, he's the son of Slovenian, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Immigrants. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Slovakian. Uh, that's that's slander. Either either way, if I got it wrong. <laughs> hey man, you lose some, you lose some. Yeah, um, but in any event, he grew up, you know, you know, working class, uh, and um, he had first generation kind of kind of up up upbringing. Yes, yes. Um, Slovak. Um, I apologize to all the, our Slovak listeners. Uh, you know, you uh, Slovaks and Slovenes are different people. I, I'm yeah. totally aware of that. Um, that is the largest contingency of our listeners. Yes. Be more sensitive. Yes. Bratislava is a lovely city. I'm sure I'd love to visit sometime. Um, you know, you know. I'm glad you got you guys finally got independence from those Czechs. <laughs> uh, so, um, away from the Balkans uh, topic and back towards Ditko, um, he uh, actually entered uh, uh, the army um, when he was a young man. Uh, he served during World War II. He was not um, a soldier per se. Well, he was technically, but he he drew uh, uh, cartoons for um, the newspaper. In yeah, the he, he wasn't a frontline soldier, right. um, but, he, but he was, you know, very much involved right. with the war effort. Uh, nonetheless, you can see some little beginnings here of that, that usual kind of like uh, male rage against the rest of the world that, that maybe gets begins and then is sparked by a, a, a weird worship of the military world, um, a, sort of a, a fiending for getting things done and, and that sort of thing. Um, Ditko then, he came back to the U.S. where he resided in New York City. He would live there most of his life. Um, except for a brief moment when he had he was sick and he had to go live with his parents for a little while, but um, when he was there, he uh, he went to comic art school under Jerry Robinson, um, Batman artist Jerry Robinson. I believe right. he introduced yeah. the Joker. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he also ended up um, he made a lot of connections there. He ended up uh, meeting uh, Jack Kirby. Uh, Joe Simon shared a. a um... He worked in their studio. Yes. Yeah, in, in the fifties, yeah. the uh, Simon and, and Kirby, um, they were working for a number of different companies, so they yep. they just had a studio to themselves. And right. uh, uh, Ditko kind of went up there. Ditko was getting a lot of work because people really liked him. He was a quick draftsman who was pretty accurate. Um, he was doing a lot of sort of the, the EC comic type type of stuff. Um, mm, horror, horror, suspense, yep, kind of yep. kind of more Senior romance, but a lot of weird stuff. Monsters, yeah, definitely. Um, this would become a, a sort of key feature, frankly, of Marvel comics in general, but also um, of Kirby's or, or uh, Ditko's creations. Uh, he later was asked to help stan lee come up with the character of Mm spider-man this would be one of the most uh what his sort of career defining moment especially this run that he'd have on the character um they wanted they knew stan knew he wanted to do a dweeby character Mm -hmm. he had no idea what the costume would look like the costume the feel of that character is entirely ditko in fact i believe he also asked Kirby to come up. Yeah, with you, you can actually see the original Kirby concept yeah. for it's the fly or something. It's right? a lot like the fly. I think he actually yeah. turned it into the fly later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a more classical it is not, type it is of superhero. Not as good as Ditko's. No, 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 no. Very not at all. clearly, Ditko's is superior. And there's a lot of interesting things about um, 
just to, to jump a little bit and we'll get back into um, what happens to him. I just want to sure. uh, root him a bit. Uh, that costume is really, uh, was actually, even though it's come to define the way we think of superheroes in a lot of ways, it was against the grain in a lot of ways. Yes. One, you never had characters wearing masks, good characters. Yes. The evil characters would always wear the masks because it didn't matter what the evil characters looked like. You yeah. wanted the good characters to be somebody a young boy usually would aspire to. Mm-hmm. You know, S- Superman's smiling face. Mm-hmm. It's also, um, you know, Batman's half mask was um, a little bit, you could identify a little bit. You could still see there's a human under there. Uh, totally. Uh, Ditko didn't want to do that. He wanted the full mask. Um, along with, And th- one of the things that Ditko thought this would do, and he was pretty on the money here, was anybody could identify with Spider-Man yes. if that was the case. Um, yes, it didn't matter if you were also you know, a, a uh, right. black-haired, Absolutely, you know, square-jawed yeah. Yeah. man like Superman yeah. or, right. or anything like that. Um, it didn't matter what your face right. looked like. You could just right. you know, you right. put on a mask and be Spider-Man too. Totally. And that character was entirely about that that sort of identifying feel. There's so much guilt in there. There's a lot of interesting stuff. But along something else that's really notable about that um, about that costume that really shows that really Ditko would have been the only one of those dudes to really come up with it the way it is, is the netting that's on Spider-Man's costume was extremely intensive to draw, especially if you're drawing, you know, 40 pages or whatever. Comics were thicker back then. Yeah. Um, so many pages over and over and over but Ditko wanted that feel usually superhero outfits were kind of clean yeah one, one they, they were easier, easier to draw two they were easier to um they, they just had a more like quote-unquote iconic look mm-hmm. this was very clearly inspired by his horror comics mm. um they sort of monster comics the things where people could have more textures yeah. because textures were a scarier kind of look um so Ditko would go on this Super, Spider-Man obviously would be incredibly popular for a lot of different reasons. Um, but there would be some fallout over it later on. There was a big fight in when uh, Stan wanted Peter Parker to go to college later. Mm-hmm. He thought, hey, this is the end of this. This comic is about a kid who's a superhero. Yeah. You can't have him go to college. Yeah. Um, there was a fallout. I don't necessarily know the details of it. I'm sure they've been documented Um as well as 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 they can be but i i guess you know while he was at marvel he also came up with uh, doctor strange was another one of his really big yes. creations the costume there is also brilliant mm-hmm. um, and, and, and pretty interesting um but from there he he would transfer over to uh dc comics where he came up with um a whole bunch of different characters the, the question the question um, who is referred to as uh by by somebody whose name I'm, I'm forgetting unfortunately as mr a before the comics code authority so that oh yeah yeah absolutely um there was a story alan moore told because alan moore uh would come up with rush arc who was derived from the question yes when alan moore wanted to do a story that became watchmen on the dip various uh charlton characters mm-hmm. um he he said that a guy uh, uh, a guy who was interviewing Ditko said, "Hey, did you read uh, did you read Watchmen? What'd you think of it?" And he went, "Oh, you know, Raw Shark, he's like Mister A, but crazy," <laughs> which is wonderful because the Mister A character um, is such a bizarre character and such a fascinating one. It would come to define pretty much all of Ditko's later yeah. sort of hermit. Uh, kind of living mm-hmm. um, he he was a guy who had a mask that 
sort of like closed in like an Iron Maiden mm -hmm. and looked like a man's face, but it wasn't a man's face. It was more angular. Mm. And uh, he would go around and he would, he had a, he had a calling card, which one side was black and one side was white. And his, one of his like little claims to fame was that A is A, which was, uh, and derived from Aristotle. Aristotelian yeah. logic, um, stuff I find very boring. <laughs> um, but was later taken on by Ayn Rand to be like, when I say something, I say something. Yeah, it, it's it somehow proves that there are objective things in the world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. And, and that they apply it, to it everything. Does. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know um, exactly how it's supposed to work, but, it, you know, it was kind of the only little piece of actual philosophy Rand ever trotted out yeah. to back up her, her beliefs. Um, yeah. But uh, it also gave, gave the name to a... Uh, insane comic book character right yeah not too much is more is known about dicko's later life because he was so um sealed away from the world uh, he lived in new york but he was very much like a salinger kind of character where he just he did the thing that would define him and then was just not there mm -hmm. yeah and refused to give any interviews public yep. appearances yep. um he he Part of I mean, that's part of the reason why he he kind of uh, was lost to seclusion and and kind of out of the public eye for so long. But again, another part is kind of the uh, the manner in which he preferred to work on comics. Um, yes. You know, after he 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 abruptly left Marvel um, in the uh, the late sixties. You know, kind of at the, at the height of his powers, at the height of both both Spider Man and, and Doctor Strange. Um, you know, there's there's lots of rumors about why. Apparently, one day he just turned in the last script that he was due and said, "I'm I'm not coming back. See you later." Sent my check to this place. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of people blame Stan Lee, or at least the relationship that he had with Stan Lee, to kind of, of kind of pushing Ditko out out of Marvel at least. But after he left, you know, and he he did DC and he did, did Charlton. Um, he did Charlton pretty much his entire life because he had a good mm. relationship with the publisher. Mm. But he uh, kind of lived a very workmanlike existence. You know, yep. he would do piecework. He would you know do a few pages here. He'd do some yep. coloring for another publisher. He'd do things for for minor in, uh, like independent and smaller publishers. He would fill in for people at DC sometimes. Um, he's always kind of pitching in for Charlton things, as as I previously mentioned. Um, so he's just kind of had this kind of very old fashioned approach to uh, to work. You know, he mm. wasn't interested in. Uh, kind of staying with with one company he was interested in kind of uh, setting out on in, in his own kind of uh, creator owned work as we would describe it today you know aside mm. from mr a mm. which he he published with with uh, publishers and also um, by himself mm -hmm. uh, for, for most of life but for the most part he was you know satisfied to you know make his few bucks a page and, and kind of continue on with with that work for the rest of his life um we can only assume it was actually satisfying because you know he he didn't do anything else. But you know if he that seems to be the life that he settled into. Yeah. And how why he receded into the shadows. Yeah. Um, but you know, but while he was at the big two, while he was at Marvel especially, um, he was the man. Yeah. He was you know one of the big drivers of Marvel's popularity at that time, especially yeah. kind of after that first wave of uh, of Kirby and Lee books. Yep. Um, hit with with Spider Man and and uh, Doctor Strange especially. Um. So, so going back to those two characters, um, you know, we keep really wanting to dig into Mr. A, but it's important to really talk about, you know, why, uh, he, you know, he's had such an impact sure. on yeah. the culture, yeah. as the kids would yeah, say. Yeah, totally. Uh, is is Spider-Man and Doctor Strange? We talked about the costume of, of uh, Spider-Man. We've talked about yep. kind of the 
the background that was created there with him being a teenager, you know, the actual audience of comic books at that time and later on moving to college, which, you know, whatever Ditko thought, um, Stan Lee had a, a better sense of the market for comic books than prob- probably anyone who did. ever lived. Yeah, totally. Um, and he knew that, you know, older kids, yeah. you know, people who grew up reading the comics were now going to college and, yeah. and, and they are continuing to read them. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question is, what is it that he was doing that was different? We talked about the costumes a little bit, mm. but what, what pops about Steve Ditko, you know, back then especially when these things were new, but even today? I think for me, my argument is always going to be pretty genre-based because um, it seems like different genres emphasize different um, emotional responses, right? Mm-hmm. Superheroes, you get it with Kirby, you get it with a lot of different guys. It's one of bombast and awe and wonder. But um, Ditko brought a different strand of feeling to uh, his comics. And it can be seen in his, the fact that he came from horror and monster comics and sci-fi comics. Yes. Um, he has this incredible way of drawing a person in distress. Where it's not just them sort of like in a kind of physical anguish. It's you get this sense of this sheer terror of anxiety they might feel. You can see their soul on their faces. Absolutely, yes. And their soul is weird as fuck, <laughs> right? Um, you get this a lot with like the, the way he draws Peter's, Peter Parker's face, in which you've got these big glasses and these, these brows that are kind of furrowed in a sad, frustrated mm-hmm. way. And so Ditko is able to draw a certain kind of suffering and incorporate that naturally into a superhero story. And for that, he just builds out the emotional vocabulary that... Emotion, uh, superheroes get to draw from mm-hmm. um so when you have those when you have those early stories especially in the, the the kind of spider-man stories he was funneling in these different genre conventions you have weirder looking uh villains you have uh weirder looking superheroes mm-hmm. uh you have sort of quotidian day-to-day struggles that are emphasized really well but also have like this overarching like anxiety and sort of things stuffed into them um and because of that, it gives them a, a more relatable feel. Like that early Spider-Man does have is more uh, like on the ground relatable than than other kinds of floaty. Even though I like the Fantastic Four, a, a lot of that sort of like mm-hmm. bigger cosmic stuff, you know, it has its place. But um, I think for me, like he just opens up a realm, a different realm of possibility for what can be done with with these kinds of. Uh, ideas and figures absolutely when you think of kind of marvel in this period you know the silver age kind of really Mm. i mean it's the silver age but it really Mm. is the golden age kind of the height of their powers yeah Yeah, totally um as kind of a cultural phenomenon not just something that you know children and soldiers read during world war ii right right. um you have this idea that you know marvel was successful because they made relatable comics they they made uh you know characters who weren't just you know boy scouts like clark ken or you know I guess Bruce Wayne's kind of an interesting character in his own right, but he's he's right. kind of a he's right. a fucking white guy, whatever. Yeah, yeah. His psychology doesn't really get fleshed out until. Yeah, but around. with with Marvel and, and kind of the the big turn in the '60s, you know, you got Bruce Banner and the Hulk and this yeah. Jekyll and Hyde thing. You get the yeah. family dynamics of yeah. the Fantastic Four, which really anyone uh, with kind of a close knit family or faux family like they have can can relate to, you know. But especially with Spider Man, I mean, yeah. Spider Man is yeah. the avatar of this phenomenon where you know. He, He's literally a teenager. Like he's yeah. just a kid, yeah. and this this power has been kind of you know foisted upon him, mm. and you know combined with all these like different factors that uh, you know induce shame in him and, mm-hmm. and kind of force mm-hmm. him down this very specific route uh, to being a superhero, right. essentially. Um, and, and that that's entirely Steve Ditko. I, um, I yeah, I think that's I think that's really true. I mean, it hits on 
this is a thing that we talked about in the Kirby podcast, the idea of the sublime, but mm-hmm. that comes in here too. That notion that the power you are affected with can be your doom. Yeah. If you don't handle it correctly. Exactly. Yeah. The, you, in previous superhero comics, you know, especially in the golden age, mm. um, I don't know if it's as it, true with like the fantastic four, maybe so mm. you don't really actually get a sense of, of what this power means. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the golden age heroes, you know, Human Torch and uh, Namor just destroyed New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. Namor threw a tidal wave yeah. at New York City and just yeah. like knocked it over. And then like the next day, like everything everything was fine. So yeah. that, that's kind of the closest you ever got to like this is what real power is, is like. Right. But with, right, with right. Spider Man, like great power comes great responsibility. That is really at the forefront. Like, yeah, you have these powers, but you also have like these lives around you right. that can be uh, impacted by them. Yeah, totally, dude. I think I think honestly. You know, when we talked about Kirby and and, and um, the uh, the Fantastic Four, I mean, one of the interesting things Fantastic Four does is it sort of like does the as above, so below kind of thing where, um, uh, you know, cosmic trauma is reflected in family trauma. Mm-hmm. What Spider-Man does, which is a step further than that, and I think a little bit more interesting, is it doesn't it doesn't ever go to that sort of cosmic level. It's just like, no, the mythic trauma of shit that happens in your family is the mythic trauma. Yes. You know? Yes, this, is this web of, of social relations in Peter Parker's life that you mm. you know don't really get to experience with, with many other yeah, characters. Yeah, he's, he's got yeah, a totally. boss. He's got, yeah. you know, a, yep. a, 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 some, a dependent. And those stresses are just as real as Mysterio. Absolutely. Probably more so, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I if if fucking you know mole man comes to town with right. with and starts just drilling things right. you know that's not okay yeah well, <laughs> you can ignore it you, right? you can ignore it you can you can right. even the fantastic four you can deal with it in about a half hours right uh, struggle but if you are if you're Peter Parker, if you're Spider Man, and Aunt May has four hundred dollars worth of prescription medication that she you're needs, fucked. you know, what are your fucking web powers <laughs> yeah. going to do? Uh, totally, totally, absolutely, and I think I think this gets at like. Some of the, some of the reasons I like Ditko so much, and the that 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 tension that's in that um, power versus responsibility, is it because it says like, hey, the stuff you're capable of can be really incredible, mm-hmm. but if you're not careful about how you go how you operate in the world, you're just gonna fuck yourself over. You're gonna fuck everybody you love over. And it's not just being careful; it's just kind of being simply aware of, sure. of yeah, what yeah, you can sure. do, of like yeah, what yeah, is. What you have, you yeah. know, um, the responsibility—it's not a choice. Right. It's just inherent in, right. in power. Right. Um, that's, that's how power works. It's, right. it's great, great strength and also great responsibility at the same time. You right. Know, if you're not a homicidal maniac, right? Of right. course. Right. You're not Punisher. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Which you know, it's been what like almost sixty years of Spider-Man, and it's possible he might be a homicidal maniac. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're yeah, still wait, we're still waiting for, for that other time. that other shoe to drop, and him right. to just you know murk wait. murk Mary Jane. Do you think that it's the fate of every superhero to end up just becoming a homicidal maniac because they have so many fucking stories that they have to fill out? Here's the thing. Yeah. If superheroes, you know, kind of existed on a actual psychological, like an, a real psychological level, they would all go insane. Yeah. And just the, like the, kill the themselves terrible. and their families. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it would be like those like pro wrestlers or but football thing, players who get CTE. I, I guess what I'm getting at is that like, even if we look at the way I like to view superheroes as like little rep, little, almost like pantheons, godlike figures that, that represent little elements of possibility inside of ourselves. Yes. I just wonder if they get washed around so much through all the stories they've been in that anything interesting about that eventually doles out into sheer apathy of psycho psychopathy. I think one of um, the cleverest things and kind of most interesting 
uh, things that Grant Morrison did with the Batman character when mm-hmm. he when he was writing that was when um um I think it was uh Rock of Ages I believe it was the J the JLA yeah, yeah, arc yeah, yeah. where um maybe it was a different one there's there's a lot of dark side Batman things I may be confusing here regardless it is Grant Morrison um where he, they keep trying to clone Batman yeah okay I remember this <laughs> and yep. you know they, so they, they clone the body and that goes yep. fine and then they try to like you know Batman's not just the body he's, yeah. he's I think know, it's Final Crisis is it Final Crisis yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was one of those things yeah. excuse me it's a good one um it is a good one uh, but you know, he's trying to clone Batman. You know, they got the body. That's that's fine. That's easy. Anybody can clone a body. But it's the brain of Batman mm-hmm. that, that you need. You know, the the mm-hmm. the resilience, the strategery, mm-hmm. um, the the quick thinking, all that shit. Detective mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. And so they keep trying to implant Bruce's memories in these clones. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they do that, <laughs> every single time, yeah. the trauma and the stress and just the overwhelming reality of of being batman the real of bat of the batman yeah I guess yeah, if yeah you want totally. to put it in lacanian terms yeah overwhelms them and they kill themselves like almost right away <laughs> <laughs> and i think like that is like that is realistic if if you yeah. if yeah, you, yeah. like that is what you know comics in the real world like right. that's that's actually what would happen yeah. most of these people would probably just go absolutely insane and just you know yeah. blow themselves up or something yeah yeah no, that makes sense yeah in spider-man you know obviously you can't actually do that in in the comics right. world because then you wouldn't have any more comics and it's a little off story. it's also a little off-putting um, to, to the audience it would be the clone saga i guess but spider-man kind of approaches that idea yeah. you know that you know power just even outside of the the fantastical sense mm. um no matter what form it takes fictional or, or real it has this this certain authority to it and it must be yeah. respected yeah um it can't just dissipate you can't just ignore it no no not at all and you, and you can't just you know use it for for your own for your own ends yeah. for simplistic ends because it will ultimately affect other people yes and you get that in the very first spider-man story which is Absolutely. one of the I mean, best stories what, in one of ever the, told. the reasons i really like that first spider-man and, and it does relate back to um uh back to the the what dicko was doing is it is very much if you if spider-man was a flop Mm-hmm. if it didn't go anywhere after that so they didn't make any more that story would still stand alone because mm-hmm. it would read just like one of those O. Henry E.C. Comics yes. stories where it's a horror story where somebody is given these powers he's a rageful nerd and he's kind of an early alright dude uh, unfortunately who then is thankfully corrected but um, he, you know he, he so he's like oh I'm just going to be out for myself and so you know he tries to wrestle and uh he ends up ignoring this guy who steals some money because he's like well it doesn't have anything to do with me i'm not implicated why do i yeah. care but it turns out that guy goes and kills his uncle ben he real he's he's told or he sees this uncle ben is dead and he goes oh shit that was the guy and you just see him walking away down a dark alley he's ruined utterly ruined and it has it is entirely that same arc of like i'm given a power i abuse it it fucks me over at the end. Yeah. Um, that dour feel actually adds a whole lot to... Definitely derives from that EC comic book. Oh, absolutely. It adds, yeah. adds a lot. Yeah, and it. I think O. Henry's is a really great reference there. Yeah. Because that is just the classic kind of... Yeah, totally. Hey, remember this thing that you thought was going one way? Right. Guess, yeah. guess what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, I'd say that um, his roots in those those 50s uh, just genre comics mm-hmm. um, you know, really kind of shaped his superhero work, which kind of makes you question... You know the 
omnipotent uh, central focus on superhero comics right. since the 50s, how that has impacted storytelling. Well, I, we, were asked, we were talking about this, like, with the death of VC Comics, you really get this, the... the, the it's, a, it's a monoculture after that. Absolutely, that yeah. right? And it, the market opens up to be taken advantage of by this one genre that can fit, happens to fit into all of the requirements. And unfortunately... Because that that's the only game in town, you get some influences on it yeah. when it's first starting out, but then it just starts like repeating the same formulas again and again. Yeah, it becomes its own self-contained universe. Yeah, absolutely. Genre universe. And, you know... Like, uh, you can't do... For example, it is so self-aware as a genre after a time. You can't do a... It would be much harder to do a Watchmen in comics form for cowboys. You know, yes. you don't have the same awareness of these genre conventions. Everybody doesn't immediately recognize all these mm -hmm. things. Well, no, no, nah, nah. I can see how this somebody could counter that. <laughs> Never mind, white hat, black hat. But no, you get what I'm saying. Though, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's just a lot more um, history with other genres yes. and, yeah. and a lot more influences and things. Like that. Right. Whereas superheroes, you essentially have the pulps and you have. Yep. Yep. comic books right. you know, themselves and that's right. that, that's about it but right. if you kind of think of the greats of the 60s that people kind of push superhero comics into the, the stratosphere yeah. jack kirby steve yep. ditko Stanley, the things that you kind of think about oh i really like that about those guys like jack kirby's um science fiction mm -hmm. uh work and his monsters and like that. Yeah. those are those are from the genre yeah. comics that they were doing Absolutely. in the 50s you know, jack yeah. while steve ditko was was doing you know strange suspense and all yep. these kind of uh, uh, horror stories. Jack yep. Kirby was doing monster and science fiction stories, and yep. you look at Fantastic Four. Right. Oh, he's those are just monster and science yeah. fiction stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it begs the question. Maybe this you know I don't know if you can actually answer this question, but you know, maybe we should do something on it in the future about you know what alternatives might 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 there have been that's um, a really good question and, well, and how comics might have been you know even superhero comics might have been sure improved in, in, you know at least. I, well i can think of some examples of like superhero comics that attempt to open up the range of what stuff can do right so like planetary mm -hmm. uh top 10 by alan moore mm -hmm. um uh seven soldiers by grant morrison but these are all things that are consciously attempting to uh, pull in other genres into yeah and, and incorporate some of the lessons there some mm -hmm. of the story structures uh to keep it alive you know? yeah and i think with watchmen with kind of that that dark turn in the 80s you kind of see the genre you know the dialectic of, of comic books essentially going yep. going into its its next phase where yep. you have all these elements and now they're being parodied or yeah. satirized or turned and upside down or, play, yes the comics become very self-conscious yeah in, in, in that time period and kind of the the simple joys of them that, you, mm. that you'd get from like an Avengers comic and a Roy yeah. Thomas Avengers comic yeah. and they kind of disappear a little yeah. bit because yeah. you, you kind of uh, you see the man behind the curtain yeah and, totally and what's going on there yeah um but that that's that's a digression away from from, from Ditko a little bit. Um, before we move on, I, I do want to talk about Doctor Strange because we have yes. been concentrating yes. on Spider Man. However, before we do that. Um, I do need to talk a little bit about, or we need to talk a little bit about, um, his abilities just kind of as a, a plotter and an artist and, and mm. a draftsman. And I specifically want to talk about the nine-panel yeah. uh, page, yeah. because this is something that he utilizes a lot in his work. Yep. Um, what, is, what is significant about this form? What, what is it, why is it you know, the favorite of Ditko and Alan Moore and, and other kind of great comic um, Why do they like like this nine panel? I think my favorite form. discussion of the nine pa panel grid comes from uh, Alan Moore, who 
you know, talks about it very eloquently. Um, he rules. I would just listen to Alan Moore in interviews like all day long. That voice. I can't really do it. But, <laughs> if I do better than I can. But um, I, he was talking about how like when he saw he saw the nine panel grid and the way Ditko doing it, one of the things that um, are a few of the different elements that it puts out there is it's very controlled. It's very constrained. But in that constraint, um, you have an incredible amount of both um, – ways you can manipulate the panels to play off each other mm -hmm. but also a, a, a big sense of like claustrophobia yes um and i really love that idea of claustrophobia as the the panel grid as an actual cage pinning you mm. down um because i think you know with claustrophobia what we get from that is a feel of anxiety which ditko then brings to life in the faces of his characters so it's this constant kind of barrage of these different uncomfortable feelings in a way that you also it's so it's controlled right so you kind of mm -hmm. know where it's heading there's some there's some um uh sense of healthy predictability about it um exactly it's it's very um very flexible yeah um even if it, if it seems kind of uh, uh rigid yes. um you know that that betrays the fact that you can really do a whole lot with nine panels you can you can combine panels you can play them off one another you can kind of create these um optical effects with them that are yeah. often very interesting if you just kind of do a google image search for nine panel uh comic page you'll, you'll see lots of very interesting examples of what people have done with that form yeah um but but one of the kind of the most famous uh pages in all of jack kirby's work is, is oeuvre or whatever steve Dick. Or Steve Gajdiko, I'm sorry, uh, not Jack Kirby, um, is from Amazing Spider-Man number 33. Yeah. Um, it's it's the one where he's you know lifting this great mass of Kirby machinery. God damn, I of, love these off of him. These these pages. Yeah. John, what is going on in, in these pages? Um, so this is uh, this is probably one of the most iconic images from this this run. Um, it's. Spider-Man is attempting to bring medicine back to Aunt May. I, I believe so. Yes. Um, and he's trapped under, like you said, the, this big Kirby machine. You know, it's got these nobules, and you know, it doesn't doesn't make sense. But also, you can just tell it's a machine. And Spider-Man, you know, there's water pouring on him. He's in his costume, and he's trying to get out. You know, he has to lift his entire body to to get out. And one of the things I like about the these few pages is that you could not, you don't have to read the uh, actual dialogue mm -hmm. in order to get the this sense of struggle that emanates from this mm -hmm. from this page uh the sense of like sheer frustration and desire to overpower a thing that is that is holding you back um so it's spider-man sitting there he's feeling some shame that he's not going to be able to help aunt may you get this ghostly image of her face coming back you get an image of uncle ben and uh so the the probably the most famous page or a couple pages uh, are actually a six-panel grid. It goes from nine uh, to six. And one of the things Ditko does really well uh, is he uses the size of the boxes to tell the emotional story of mm -hmm. what's happening. So in the first two, the top two, you have Spider-Man. He's trapped under this machine. The machine is massive. Uh, he's tiny underneath it. You just have the water pouring on him. And... Uh, he's trying to get out, but it's not going over. Then the next two pages, he's getting somewhere. He says, I must prove equal to the task. I must be worthy of that strength. And he pushes up a little more. You see his arms wobbling. Or else I don't deserve it. And he's pushing himself out. 
The weight is unbearable. Every muscle aches. My head is spinning. Everything are beginning to whirl around. It's the strain. It's unbearable. Pushing it up further and further. And then finally, I did it. I'm free. It's a full page spread of him lifting this thing off of him uh, in a, a uh, full explosion of celebration. Um, you get a real kind of sisyphean if you actually got to the top and the boulder <laughs> stayed there yeah um what a triumph that would be absolutely and it's just this beautiful image of sequential art that mm -hmm. shows the way you can use the art itself to um compel the emotional struggle one would feel in that physical space exactly it, yeah. you know it is a textbook example of, of what we just talked about with with mm -hmm. that nine panel page and you start off with with, with the yes. nine it's, it's very small it, like you're just saying it's very claustrophobic the panels are small you know and you can't really see where this machine begins or ends you just mm -hmm. see spider-man struggling mm -hmm. and as he continues to to fight and to you know push himself and uh the machine starts to loosen a little bit and, and raise a little bit the panels get bigger and the panels get bigger mm -hmm. and they, they you know they continue to move until eventually uh, the, the penultimate uh page of this of this whole adventure mm -hmm. um it's it's only it's you know it the the format is you, you know you could do nine panels if you wanted to mm -hmm. but there's three at the top and then yes. all, all, yeah. the, the remaining six have just kind of been condensed into one mm -hmm. kind of three quarters mm -hmm. uh page panel and he's he's just about there you know his knees are bent but he's got his the machinery above him and eventually you turn the page and uh you just see this amazing uh you know, full page mm -hmm. splash panel of him. You know, it's all all the panels are now gone. It's a single mm -hmm. page, yeah. and he's he did it. He's free. So you, you kind of experience through yes. the panels the exact same sense of uh, constriction yeah. and then fr and struggle and freedom Absolutely. that Spider Man feels. Yeah. That it, it's, got, it's exactly what Scott McCloud is talking about. Yeah, you, totally. It is kind of using um, the movement of of panel and eye and mm -hmm. and uh, the combination of the two to. Um, uh, kind of be a collaborative emotional project yeah. between the, yeah. the writer and the artist and and the reader um yeah. it is you know probably one of the, the best best achievements of you know sequential art comic art that yeah. we've, we've we've ever seen and it's a really great example of of the power of of the comic as the comic this is exactly yeah. what we're why yeah. why we liked this um this podcast to be focused on it's not only the contents it's the borders of the contents that are telling the story exactly it, it, everything is working together as kind of a unity yeah. um you know and if uh, those who have read their poe uh <laughs> know that you know true art is only accomplished through a, a, a uh, unity of effect a yeah, unity yeah, of yeah. of all the, the the various senses that are working for whatever art form it is you know right. um and in comics it's it's text and it's and its image right and you know it, it's even kind of um it even kind of uh, transcends two dimensions into three because you are flipping these pages, yeah, yeah, right? Sure. You know, you don't do not see Spider-Man be free until you turn yeah. the physical yeah, page, yeah. and that kind of act of reveal—it's like a curtain coming up, sure. right? Yeah. Um, that's that's comics, folks, yeah. and that's that's why we get uh, excited about them. Uh, that's why we spend, you know, a random amount of time every month or two <laughs> to to put out this podcast. Uh, that's uh, that's comics as. Comics as comics, um, but that that's Spider Man, and that's 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 kind of Dick Code's genius as a right. uh, draftsman and a, as a uh, designer. Yeah. Before before we kind of uh, finish up here, let's talk about Doctor Strange. Yes. Real quick. Um, now, unlike Spider Man, which he uh, Stanley only begrudgingly gave him co-creator credit for many years later, um, he he full, uh, Lee fully admits that um, Doctor Strange is is you know. Uh, Steve Ditko's baby. Yes. Um, yes. But what Boy, was it? Is it? Yeah, and, and yeah, it is. You know, probably 
I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan personally, um, no. but I really love the Dick. It's been well documented Doctor on this Strange. podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> just didn't do it for me. I think it was because, you know, when I was a kid, I only had, like, random-ass comics, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you go to the drugstore, you go to the comic book store, you got, like, you know, a buck or two to spend on some things. So I just got random things based on what the, the cover looked like. And so I had this, this, I had, like, one or two Spider-Man comics growing up. And one of them... Spider-Man does not even appear. It is just Peter Parker, and oh, he's God. like he's like painting a fence, I think, and just being sad about something. Boy, going doing on a riff life. on uh, Tom Sawyer. Or... No, it, it wasn't even that. He's like he's just doing it by himself, and just like oh, kind of moping for a little bit. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think Daredevil appears real quick, and I liked him. That makes sense. Somebody's mopey, and Daredevil comes around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that that kind of that was my first exposure to think, Spider-Man yeah, aside I, from I the mean, cartoon. I mean, that makes sense, man. Like honestly, with most of these characters, and I think this is a tough part of comics is that most of these characters, even though they have a few wonderful stories to them, most of the stories are shitty. Yeah. You I mean, know? There's the famous Stan Lee quote that any comic could be somebody's first comic. Yes. Um, which is absolutely true, but yep. that doesn't mean that everybody makes every issue um, appealing to... <laughs> oh, there are so many <laughs> They comics. do try. They do try. You know, most comics, yeah. when I you read them, by... they have at least one, like, costume fight scene. Even if it's just like, yeah. here's the danger room at the beginning of uh, this X-Men right, right, comic. Right. Well, I think, I think, like, most... For me, the way I have to read most superheroes is like judging them by the stuff I like the best because there's just yeah so much yeah you, you have to kind of judge it by potential yes and, and totally previous achievement right um rather than kind of on an individual Current, basis because yeah, yeah, yeah like he's like there's just so fucking much yeah, of it absolutely um but anyway and Doctor Strange I mean Doctor that's Strange a character that if you judge by previous like history and whatnot there's fucking amazing stuff oh yeah, yeah yeah well one of the things about like uh the big two comics super cape comics and stuff like that is um. The really good artists always get their start on minor characters. Yeah, and, totally. And kind of more minor yeah. characters are they give more yeah. leeway to actually yeah. be interesting. Yeah, it's um, it hasn't been totally eaten by the corporate machine to solely put out what, what yeah. has been expected. Yeah, they haven't put Bendis or Casada on, <laughs> on the title uh, yet. Because I was like, do you remember those uh, those ads in the comics that were like Bendis is coming yeah, to yeah, Superman? Yeah. I don't want to read that. <laughs> that's a, that's a, is that you're pronouncing Doom? Because I yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> No offense to Brian Michael Bendis. Or... Oh, he's got some good stuff. They've he's all, also all got a dude good... who did his most interesting stuff. Abs- absolutely, with, absolutely. Like his Daredevil run or his uh, his alias yeah. stuff. There's this weird trend of like putting very uh, low-risk people yeah. on kind of the most interesting or, or the, the most popular I mean, in terms characters. of marketing, it makes sense. It, artistically, it's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, but who knows what the fuck, you know, artistically. Yeah. People, like the comic book creators have in mind these days because they're pretty know. much just like r&d mills for yeah for the fucking movies yeah um, totally or just like additional arms of marketing campaigns uh, yeah for sure them, which, like raytheon or really, what was the oh one my that god actually had their... it's like the lockheed martin lockheed, yeah like the Holy lockheed martin shit. pals or something it's fucking crazy awful just, it just fuck. totally collapses that like little distance that that's like no it's okay i'm reading the no yeah. it's not it's not okay you're just reading you're trash. part of the military industrial <laughs> complex directly right um but anyway Doctor Strange, unlike Spider-Man, um, I absolutely love. Yeah. And um, I, I, I visit the Ditko yeah. Doctor Strange, you know, probably once a year at least. Yeah, it's um, so good. But what is it about it that, that is that is so good, uh, John? And what did he do with the character? I mean, so he... The character has a, a pretty interesting, like, little tension in the beginning, right? He's a he's an arrogant surgeon. Yeah. He broke his hands during a car accident. Uh-huh. I don't know. He's punching the steering wheel or something. And so he has to get magic powers. I think to... they, they, like, went through the windshield and they got all cut. Oh, is so, that what? So, like, it, his okay. nerves got all fucked up. Yeah. Um, okay. When you're a surgeon, like, that's not Your good. nerves are everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
he didn't get insurance on his hands. Dumb. That's what I kept. Fucking idiot. Him. But so he he finds someone. I don't remember the person's name. Boy, I'm really phoning this. Is it the ancient one? Yeah, the ancient one. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and he uses uh the eye of Agamotto and all these different bizarre uh mystic things to the crimson bands of Sitorak. Yeah. So there's. I think one of the frustrations I have with like magic kind of stuff nowadays is it tends to be very uh, rooted in a sort of Harry Potter style of universe in which you like yeah. say a thing and it conjures a thing and it's all very known. Yeah. What Doctor Strange does so fucking well is that it roots all of this weird magic and like you're just not going to understand this. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the journey because Ditko, who was uh drug free his entire life yes dude didn't do shit he makes the most psychedelic images i've ever seen yes in fact i think these images went on to inspire ironically enough a lot of psychedelic uh image von baudet people like that like we're totally drew from the ditko well absolutely yeah i mean at the same time that uh spider-man was going to college um, all these college students were reading Doctor Strange, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just kind of assuming that Ditko was was doing the same drugs they were doing. He was or, a head. Yeah, he was a head. Yeah. Um. He was. He, yeah. Um. Uh. And kind of, you know, inspiring the drug scene of the late '60s and kind of yeah. psychedelic art. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, art in a lot of different ways. It's a lot of like abstract images of varying uh, sort of soft colors or or um, naturey colors on different greens and. Uh, that are sort of like zooming around in these big, not quite cosmic, like they're off enough so you know it's not a cosmic thing. Yeah. But um, a mindscape, I guess, would yeah. be the best way to it's describe like, it. It's more, kind of like a more naturalistic version of, of Kirby's yeah. kind of cosmos. Yes, definitely. Where yeah, instead yeah. of kind of these, you know, Kirby is very machine-based, yep. um, structure-based, uh, geometry-based. Yeah. Um, Ditko's a lot more loose. A yeah. lot, you know, you get a lot more um, just kind of things that look like clouds or swirls or yeah. that, that's that's where the kind yeah. of the, the psychedelia comes from right um but it's it's you know the central feature of these these doctor strange stories it's just breathtaking yeah um art and breathtaking just feats of imagination really. very much so yeah yeah um introduce some some great characters like eternity eternity um uh, one, of, one of my favorite things about marvel is kind of their um personifications Hell, of, yeah. of major yeah. cosmic or metaphysical forces yeah. and eternity is kind of the He's preeminent the, one yeah yeah there's order and chaos and yeah. the living tribunal and but that yeah those characters are really wonderful they're incredibly bizarre mm-hmm. um they, they and they're a kind of bizarre that's a very different feel than let's say like um the bizarre you get from uh ditko's horror inspired stuff yes. because there is this element of awe but mm-hmm. it's also a different kind of awe than the kirby uh, you know as, yeah. as you would put i mean the the design of eternity himself is wonderful it's this guy who's in a similar kind of cape as dr strange you know weird thing with like big talon looking mm-hmm. uh uh protuberances and it's sort of a um almost like a shadow shot of him like he looks like draped in shadows but the shadows are filled in by different crazy yeah, by space items yeah like you yeah. just kind of you can you see eternity with, right. within him like the, right. the whole look of eternity is eternal right which is just mind-bendingly brilliant it's crazy to look at this stuff because so much of it it, now some of it you look at it and you go oh well i see that everywhere yeah that's because ditko and other comic creators came up with this stuff and it just suffused its way through the culture yeah and the the costume of spider-man is probably the best example of that you know costumes before that were 
very much based on the yes. old vaudeville strong yep. strongsman. Yep. You know, like think Superman in his fucking yep. underwear and shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here's here's Spider Man and he's like something entirely new. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of take that for granted. Oh, the superhero mm-hmm. in his costume or mm-hmm. his mask, or whatever secret identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but aside from the the the, the case of Batman, there's mm-hmm. really no other person mm-hmm. until Spider Man yeah. that kind of has that whole thing working for him. Right. Um, so just like tremendously inventive. Shockingly so, because he was so sober. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, maybe he unlocked the secret of sobriety's cre- creative uh, <laughs> engines or something. Um, and yeah, just you know, comics will forever be in debt to you know just those two characters alone. But you know, every everything else that he created as well. I mean, the man was yeah. in comic. You don't. I guess I just want to like impart to our listeners. I don't want to get fuck. I don't want to get on a high horse here. But just imagine, you create two designs in your entire life Mm -hmm. and those designs go on to send ripples throughout the uh the way we um the popular imagination Mm -hmm. works it's pretty nuts yeah i mean comics are in such a such a strange place artistically because you know the impact of mark twain on american culture or or, you know faulkner or you know all these these um great visual artists too um andy warhol sure people like that yeah, yeah Um, they they have a tremendous effect on the on, on the on culture and, and and how Americans conceive of kind of reality and, and the mm. characters that they like and yep. you know things like that. But w- with comic books, there's there's a a big wall in between the creator yes. and and the culture, and that Definitely. wall is called DC and Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it's really hard to, to for for fame and for notoriety and for kind of the truth of, of people's cultural impact to, to transcend that wall. Yeah, yeah, um, we, we're talking before we started recording um, about uh, the guy that um, Steve Ditko shared a studio with for about 10 years from, from right. 58 to uh, 67 or, or 68. Um, this guy named Eric Stanton. Mm-hmm. Um, the real fetish heads out there might, might be aware <laughs> with. <laughs> Where are fet heads at? Yeah, the, the, the real, the, you know, all, all of our, uh, our, uh, we have this podcast you know i've looked at the analytics i've, I've crunched the numbers we actually have a fairly large um overlap with you know adult friend finder like, i put that fet that life, life. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it's so all, all you leatherheads out there might might know eric stanton <laughs> yeah. um but he's just this fetish artist um did a lot of like you know women in, in leather and stilettos and stuff like that uh apparently he's very famous i didn't, I didn't know that until i was reading about Ditko. um but they, they shared a uh, studio together, and it was, it was not uncommon for for both of them to have be like, "Hey, man, like I got this deadline tomorrow. Yeah. Can you can you pitch in?" And, and I, I guess um, oftentimes uh, Stanton would draw, and, and then Ditko would would color a lot of, a lot of his stuff, and oftentimes you know Stanton would would pitch in with Ditko's work too. Yep. And um, what was the story you telling me about about the the so, webs? So uh, yeah, I just I just read this. Somebody was talking to Stanton um, again in an interview, and Stanton goes, "Hey, so do." You, you know, you guys, you know, worked with each other. So, do you ever help out with? Um, do you have any effect on like the design of Spider-Man? And he just went, "Oh, nil." All I came up with was the fact that webbing shot out of his hand, <laughs> which, which is, is such a bizarre like yeah. stance to take on one yeah. of the main properties of Spider-Man. And it just it illustrates Jared like how how much he probably didn't see the rest of the world. Like, to him, it probably was a tiny thing. Let's yeah. say that that did happen, and we don't have reason not to believe him. Mm-hmm. But, but that like that little one-off thing would become to be, like, a major feature, mm-hmm. you know, of, of that character. Yeah, you know, you walk, down, you walk down the street, and you'll see 
kids in like Sp- Spider-Man mm-hmm. toys, Spider-Man outfits. Going, You'll see. Psh, 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 I have graffiti with Spider-Web. It Spider-Man Spider-Web. Yeah, I've I've vivid memories of of being a kid like getting the exact like uh, finger position. Yeah. Right, oh to, God. To, like totally. okay, how does Spider-Man do it? Oh, right. just like this. Right. Um. Yo, that was that was Eric Stanton, yeah. and, and for him, like it's like oh, it's just a know, little off so, something I yeah. I contributed, you know, yeah. one night in the yeah. '60s when yeah. I was just working on other stuff. Right. Um, so you know, unlike other major artists or art forms like comics, there's just there's so much other frames of, of reference and just uh, just other people and, and institutions to move through to yeah. to kind of you know yeah. connect the creator to sure. to uh, you know the people that enjoy the creation. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's a much bigger problem for maybe, uh, another podcast. Um, but what else do we want to say about Dicko before we kind of end this thing? So we're about at at an hour right now. Right. Um, I guess just very quickly, he's a guy who, uh, so much of his politics, I have, I do not agree. I vehemently hate Ayn Randian philosophy. Oh, it's dog shit. Listener, if you're an objectivist, like you can be like there's better options out there yeah totally just read i don't want to fucking nietzsche i don't want to completely alienate you because you know you're intelligent you're listening to this podcast you're you're probably very handsome sexy person oh god um i say handsome because you're probably a male let's face it (laughs) um but we're a handsome female that's a dog that's a dog shit philosophy there's no depth behind it um no no serious thinker actually cares about any of that shit it is an entirely I, look, I've spent time reading her essays. They're terrible. She's got this one essay. I just very quickly have to go <laughs> off on this. She's got this one essay where she takes a dialectic that I love, which happens to be the Dionysian and the Apollonian mm-hmm. um, structure of Nietzsche's birth of tragedy. Yeah. In which, you know, uh, Ap- Apollo's the, the plastic shaping god. Uh, Dionysus is the chaos god, the, the stuff from which artistic impulse arises. And she says, oh, what if we take that and we apply it to the uh space launch and to woodstock woodstock sucked everyone got sick it was bad <laughs> and the space launch was all nice people came they drove their cars up which were also really nice and uh the space launch and it was quiet it was clean it was safe everyone went home isn't that how it works i'll be like no you idiot the whole thing is that it's a dialectic they interact with each other one can't happen without the other if you were smart about it, you'd be like oh how does this dialectic actually uh change within um woodstock or within the thing anyways i'm sorry just had to go off on that i hate it so much yeah it's there, it, there's nothing there like if you if you've ever read like any actual actual philosophy like it's it's easy to spot from yeah, a mile yeah, away yeah yeah 100%. but you know to engage with the actual foundational ideas of objectivism it's to not it's, actually engage with objectivism right it is yeah, yeah. not a philosophy in a traditional right. sense Absolutely. it is it, it is an instrument of yes of um you know ideology i think that's really well put it's a couple ways of thinking that are loosely brought up in like oh doing stuff for myself is the highest good that is used to justify ways of being in the world that is kind of shitty for other people yeah it's, it's a justification and not sort of a you know, in, in the very traditional sense of what mm. philosophy is what, what the kind of you know the the um socrates or plato i don't remember mm-hmm. of searching for you know what is the good life yeah how do you lead yeah, totally. a, a, a good life kind of the right. very traditional right. um to more more of ethics than, right. than philosophy in general but that's kind of where all this shit started and, and it I, is not that it I, is right you know ayn rand is not kind of uh 
search she's not searching for a way to live a good life no she thinks she's, searching she's for arrived a justification yeah, totally for others to continue yes their good absolutely lives. yeah it's a retroactive justification yeah. for shitty things yeah so it's it's yeah. it's and i think i think though i think the interesting part of ditko is the fact that we see somebody who fervently believes it that's exactly creates... yeah that's exactly where i was gonna go the difference yeah. with ditko yeah he actually believes yeah 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 totally you know he doesn't he's not some fucking you know senator or right. ceo who just very cynically it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Ayn Rand says this is this is good. You know, the books are awesome. I love yeah. trains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Architecture, boy, that's a yeah. Howard Work, what a guy. Um, <laughs> or one of those freaks that like puts John Galt on their license plate oh, or something. God. Um, he actually believes that like no, this is like this is how you lead a ordered and happy. Yeah. I don't know about happy, but at least a kind of a true... Meaningful? Meaningful, yeah. yeah, a, yeah. A, a dignified existence. Yeah, dignified. Yeah, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, and in Mr. A, you kind of... This is his... No, Ditko didn't give himself very many indulgences. No. He famously... Um, I forget who it was, but someone someone went to his, his apartment one time in like the 80s or 90s, and he was famously using... Um, old like original artwork from the 50s that he made as just like a cutting board for like sausages or something. <laughs> just, like, he did not give a fuck Damn. about about any anything like that. Wow. Um, and you know the one indulgence he kind of gave himself was was Mr. A. Yeah. He's like this is where I can kind of yeah. talk, tell my truth, share my truth yeah. with the world. And so it's, it's very instructive if you want to learn you know yeah. as yeah. who this guy kind of was because he was yeah. so, so you know um, secluded and and uh, reclusive from his life. Yeah. Is to read Mr. A, and in there, you know, it, it's like uh, we were talking about earlier with him. He's got the black and white card. Um, the very, the very first Mr. A comic he talks about. Yeah. Um, you know, people say that you know there's no such thing as black and white, and every right. everyone is gray. But how can you have gray without black or white? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of its own paradox, I yeah. guess. If, if you're yeah. stupid and you think about <laughs> things like that. Um, but but for Mr. A, like there are there are good people and there are bad people and there's mm -hmm. there's no in between like yep. if you break a law guess what you're bad like for him i think like moral waffling is worse than any like any other kind of crime exactly you know? yeah like the to to be kind of undecided about what is good and what what is bad is right. is like pathetic in his eyes yeah yeah pathetic absolutely yeah. it's a total lack of that that shying away from that that moment of power is something to be frowned on yeah so you can kind of kind of have this this idea um Two sides of the same coin, right? You have Spider-Man, yeah. where it's like great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Like, if you have power, you have power, and that's really important. Yeah. But it's important that you use it in a way that is kind of measured and for the greater good and all that stuff that you know works better with mainstream comics than Mr. A. Mm -hmm. But with Mr. A, it's it's you know you know you have power, so you should fucking use it to dominate. Yeah, people. totally. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. to kind of show them the error of their ways or yeah. where they are living a bad life instead of a good one. Yeah. Um. In, in this first comic, you, it's just kind of this this very simple story of, um, a uh, a robbery gone wrong. A person is killed by some some teenager. Um. And Mr. A just kind of appears out of nowhere and just starts looking for this guy. And his name is Angel, which you know you can you can read in whatever you want. Um. And and eventually, uh. He, uh, he finds Angel, and Angel ends up um, hurting this woman who is tried, trying to help him and um, get, getting injured himself. He's hanging from a flagpole. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. A tells this woman, who's just been assaulted uh, by this person that she once kind of loved and trusted and thought was like a good person, that, you know, choice is yours, bitch. I can either save you or I can save this person that you care about for some reason, even <laughs> though he killed a police officer. Um, and he, he says, you know, uh, t t t the choice is yours. Who do you want to live? It can't be both of you. Tell me who is to die. Who? As if that's her choice. <laughs> right. 
Why is that her choice? He's he's the one who can decide. Yeah. That's no, a, if yeah. he has the power, yeah. he should be the one that right. wants to do it. But in, right. in the objectivist mindset... In, in, he's essentially just become every time a villain in a movie says, you're making me do this. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this is for your own yeah. good. Yeah, uh, totally. Kind of thing. But it just completely um, abdicates all yeah. the responsibility yeah. that, you know, Spider-Man would, would, would use well. Like, the kind of the opposite side of the coin of, of, of Mr. A. Where, you know, but at the same time... Claiming that that power, um, sorry, let me phrase that. Mister A claims the power, and uh, kind of um, contracts out mm. the the responsibility. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Yeah, so he's yeah. he's saying like you know I have the power of life and death over both these people, but right, you're gonna do it. Right, you're gonna it, do it. It's a posi- position that's totally in bad faith. Yeah, so you can kind of see there like it is an ideology that always works to justify the powerful yeah it is it absolutely. always always works to put the onus yeah. for for actual justice or for actual decision making and responsibility on people of lower it lower does power not positions care about the dignity of anything but itself but itself every other sort of choice only matters if it foists it on another person yes uh, um yeah and and you know and, and this is kind of done the art in the first mr a is very good yeah um yeah definitely and you know it's it's kind of done in a, in a fairly fairly literary fashion, but as as Mr. A goes on, and there's just fucking so much, Mr. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, and it, um, it, it goes downhill real. Yeah, any sort of nuance or subtlety or kind of artfulness is lost, and he's just, just murking like, yeah. like shoplifters. It and... just turns also into like screeds against Stanley, which again, kind of understandable, but mm-hmm. boy, yeah, you know. So, I guess uh, parting words for for Steve Ditko. He was a land of contrasts. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> I I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, um, and, you know, and it just goes to show that the the politics of of someone can impact their art in many different ways. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and you, and if you really, you know, you can't just disregard or em- no, or embrace I someone agree. because of the politics. Either totally way, totally important to to comb through um, this kind of stuff. Really, any kind of art, but this kind of Ditko especially with um. Uh, a sense of judiciousness yes there's some stuff here that's sublime and beautiful yeah and in the same ideology in the same kind of um uh ideology <laughs> we can delete that yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the same the same uh, ideology and the same beliefs and the same kind of uh moral value structures that gave us the yeah. abhorrent and terrible mr a who's yeah. you know just think of rorschach essentially yeah. for this yeah, character yeah, totally. if you don't want to look, kind of go look into what he's actually about um also gives you spider-man yeah, like they're very. Yeah, they're, yeah, that's a nice way to put there, it. There's only totally. a a kind of a, a very thin line between those two characters. Between yeah. with with great power comes great responsibility, yeah. and with great power comes great power over other people. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. things are th- there's such a small difference between those things. I think that's a a really fascinating place to leave it. To yeah, be yeah. So you know, rest in peace, Steve Ditko. Um, a complicated man, a, a yep. fantastic artist who has shaped the 21st century in you know yep. in ways that not many people can say they did. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, rest in peace, man. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about him? Uh, I love a lot of the stuff you did, and I hope you're resting well now. All right. Uh, well, then we will take a quick break and come back with some recommendations, and then that'll be that. All right, and welcome back. Before we head out here today, we're gonna do a qu- few quick recommendations. John, what do you got for us today? Uh, so today I wanted to, uh, recommend, um, a comic that I feel like is in line with kind of the EC stuff. It's a, it's a pretty well-known graphic novel, um, it's by Charles Burns, 
but it's sort of evocative of the same kinds of like faces Ditko would draw a lot mm. of the same sort mm -hmm. of bewildered uh, uh sort of upset faces um the first the first one is uh black hole if you haven't read mm -hmm. it it's very bizarre super uncanny um kind of uncomfortable it's a it's a good comic and then he has a series that came out um xed out was another one it it draws a little more more on like hair day and that sort of stuff but it's it's really good i think if you're into that sort of realm of stuff you'll you'll enjoy these excellent very good um well i'll recommend a spider-man story i actually like quite oh. a bit which is you know it's very extremely famous so it's, it won't be a surprise for anybody but this is craven's last hunt mm. um the the story i don't know how many issues it was in amazing spider-man i don't actually know four or five or six something like that um where uh craven um we we learn later on in the comic spoilers 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 mm -hmm. uh he is dying of cancer mm -hmm. and you know for his one last kind of act as as a strong you know willful human being is to defeat spider-man and take his place right yeah yeah um and he is successful in doing so and in, in the course of the story like it's, it's just kind of it's more literary mm. comic story than you might be used to and, and, right, and right, right. what i mean by that is that it um unlike a lot of comic stories it doesn't leave a million different loose ends that could be turned into a lot of different stories. It's kind of self-contained. Mm -hmm. It has a beginning and an end, mm -hmm. and the end is is well, nothing in, in comics is actually final. <laughs> but you know, for the for the purposes of you know, that time and place and that story, it is it is very final. Um, and it's just kind of this, this very beautiful, very human mm -hmm. story about um, you know not just Spider-Man, but you know one of his his main villains, uh, Craven the Hunter. Um, so if if you want to you know kind of see that. Uh, the part of Spider-Man that I actually appreciate, that's when he's not moping around a fence um, or pining after Mary Jane or whining about his low pay as a, a freelance photographer. You know, all sympathetic things, but, you know, I don't want that in my comic book. <laughs> you know, we could do an episode on, like, um, the superhero struck by cancer. There's, like, the Constantine one. There's the Captain Marvel one. Oh, yeah. There's Moloch from The Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. I guess, well, there's the whole cancer plotline. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Watchmen, too. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah, cancer and um, this is this cultural fascination with cancer that comes about, you know, believe it or not, after the atomic bomb. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. When radiation's on, on, on everybody's mind. and to kind of, It's the death you can't stop, right? Exactly, yeah. And, like, modern medicine doesn't seem to have a way to deal. No, no, and uh, all attempts at it have been fairly futile throughout mm. history. Mm. Um check out uh adam curtis's documentary on henrietta Lacks. oh, um, oh i if, haven't if you, watched that one. I'll oh it's really good that. it's really good it's, it's about it's about it's kind of uses um henrietta Lacks who listeners she was um, she's the originator of hela cells which yeah. are uh, she had cervical cancer yeah. and these are these are cancer cells from her that never ever stop reproducing mm. um there's trillions of these things in the world they they, wow. they take up like 300 times her original body weight or something wow. like that at this point and they're the, they're like the uh the engine of cancer research because wow. you can just keep making them forever and do whatever you want with them wow. so they, they've been uh exploded in atomic bombs sent to space the, poli the polio virus was... that's a comic book story oh yeah yeah um but he, he uses this the story of this woman in uh to kind of talk about the story of the war on cancer oh um, so the the overlap between like fears of radiation the bomb cancer yeah. and then kind of also the, Super the other other side of, of that progress yeah, yeah. Uh, atomic energy power yeah. Yeah. um that's definitely reflected a lot in the comics totally. all the time so we could do yeah. that that'd be yeah. that'd be something yeah. very interesting that um, was a, a little teaser for you guys yeah a little, a little behind the curtains look at our uh, discussions about 
future panel by panel podcasts. Um, so besides that, you know, uh, read Craven the Hunter. Besides that, the only thing I'd recommend is um, following us on Twitter and Instagram. That is at panel by panel pod. Uh, if you want to send us an email, go ahead and do so at panel by panel at gmail.com. Um, anything else I'm missing there, John? Uh, I think that's it. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll try to be a little more timely at, I uh, used the wrong microphone last time. Yeah, we actually had this this Dick Over podcast already recorded. Yeah. Um, obviously, we said we talked about different things, yep. uh, slightly different things. But um, yeah, there's some there's some uh, technical human error, <laughs> <laughs> technical uh, hyphen human error yeah. that that conspired against us. But um, I think this turned out pretty well, so, yeah. and I hope you uh, do as well, loyal listener. Um, until next time, I've been Jared Green. I'm John Mango. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.